Welcome back to the show. It's your boy, and we are here with another week of NFL action. But first, I want to start with talking about the Colorado Buffaloes. They get smacked. They get embarrassed by Oregon. There was a lot of a lot of weird stuff surrounding this game. Uh, you've seen it by now, the clip over and over again. The Oregon head coach essentially calling out Deion Sanders. And they just they backed it up, and they went out there, and they whooped on Colorado. It was embarrassing from the get-go. You could just see talent for talent, specifically up front, was not there for Colorado. And uh, Deion Sanders referenced this before where he said something along the lines of, once I get them big boys, it's over. And uh, that was on display here today. The offensive line looked really bad against their defensive line. And the defensive line got no motion, no action. The whole defense itself, really, except for a couple outstanding hits from Shiloh here and there, looked just outmatched, outclassed. And uh, it was it was bad. Not a lot to say for this. It's uh, uh it's disappointing in a way and not in another way because uh did it seem slightly unfair like an, a bit of an unfair mismatch at the time going into it yeah perennial powerhouse program Oregon stepping up to the uh quote-unquote Cinderella story of Colorado uh I think yeah this was this was due I'd rather I'd rather them get beat like this now than get any deeper and get beat by a team. Uh, the USC game looks scary, you know. The whole thing, my whole thing here is uh, I've been talking about Shadour a lot and how I think he's a top tier quarterback right now, and I, I still believe that uh, if you got him some time, if you gave him a little little something to work with. Uh, let's see, what did he get here? Uh, he ended up with 159 yards, one touchdown, 23 for 33. A lot of that is just junk junk stats, you know. Uh, so I think the you can see it. The line cannot hold up at all. Shador had no time whatsoever to get anything going, and when he did have time, his receivers didn't get open. Now, that with the few the very few times and that's not to say the receivers didn't get open a lot. They were open a lot. But if there's not time to throw the ball, it gets very difficult to maintain any type of passing game. It, it, it's virtually impossible. So I don't – It. I wish Colorado – I want Colorado to be good. Did I expect Colorado to uh, basically remain without a loss the entire time? No. Realistic expectations – would have had you believe and they they're gonna win they're gonna win a couple more games they shouldn't win and be you know i think daniel said it on the last episode eight and four sounds reasonable just enough to get into a bowl game probably and keep a little of the of the buzz alive but i think hey the thing we got to look out for is next year nowadays you know with the transfer portal the fact that they put a team that could that could start three and oh together that way uh shows some positive signs for Colorado and I think eventually they'll I think in the next two years we might look at this we we might look at this game a little different Colorado going into Oregon might be might look a little different in a couple years and that's that's been my whole thing is I, I just hope that the whatever is going on whatever you want to call it the the aura that is surrounding Colorado isn't just washed away by the spanking they got essentially because even looking at it here they had 35 in the first half and it was just bad it was bad it was hard to watch and it sucks that Colorado had to go out like that but I think if they can somehow just recruit or get some guys to transfer in get a real offensive line a real defensive line and just stack this team up a little more with Shadour coming back Travis coming back Shiloh coming back uh, I'm not sure about some of the receivers, but if the, those receivers come back with new weapons, with just the way everything works now with NIL and transfer deals, there's no 
reason that Colorado can't be a powerhouse program within two years, two to three years. And I really believe, I really believe that there's going to be a, there's a lot of kids right now sitting on the bench somewhere at a power five school and thinking, Hmm, I'm, I should be starting. I want playing time. I want to put tape out there so I can hopefully go to the league. Where's a good way to do that? Hey, I'm a left, I'm a left tackle. I'm a five-star left tackle. That's on the bench right now because I'm a sophomore. Hey, I, you, you can go to Colorado and get tick like that. Right. So I think, uh, I think looking forward, Colorado can be a real problem. And, and, and I think the, it, it got annoying afterwards just to see every so many people ready to pounce on them. So many people ready to pounce on Dion and pounce on Shadur and call them out for not being good. It's like, no, they're, they're good. They're not a top tier team. Most of these other teams aren't these top tier teams like uh, the Ohio State Notre Dame game. Crazy game. Colorado doesn't have that. Oregon probably doesn't even have the same level of talent as an Ohio state right now or a Notre Dame right now. So I think it's silly to just write this whole regime off and write this whole little era that's going on off, off of one game. Uh, I think let's look up two, three, four years from now, you know, market September 24th. Let's look up (laughs) September 24th, uh, 2025. And let's check out what, Colorado or and Deion Sanders are doing then. That's what I want to know. I think it's things will be a little bit different. But uh yeah, straight sp- the Buffaloes got spanked and you can just see the differential in talent. It sucks, it hurts that uh the buzz might wear off a little bit after this L, but I think that give it a few years. Give it a few years, get 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 some of them big boys, them hogs up front. That's that's about it. That's from get, get you a big boy from Florida, Texas. That's ready to go in there and, and really put in work. Especially when you get to the Big Twelve, if he can build some type of offensive line and defensive line now, knowing how important it is in the Big Twelve, it's going to be dangerous because Big Twelve defense is is known for being bad. And I think if you can build up that front that front line on both sides, I think in a couple years we. Even by next year with the transfer portal and, and money in NIL, I think by next year you could see that flip a lot. Let's look up a couple years from now and let's see what Colorado and Coach Dion are doing and Shadour might be in the NFL by then. Who knows? But we will see. Bad, bad, bad. <laughs> Start off college football. Then I watched Notre Dame and Ohio State, and that game was crazy. And that's where you see the big difference in – I don't want to say real football and what, you know, because Oregon is, Oregon will be in the Big Ten, so they, yeah. It was crazy to watch Notre Dame, Ohio State, man, like just watching hard-nosed football. Both quarterbacks come in here and just kind of blah, you know. Hartman, heard a lot about Hartman, and I didn't really see much out of that game. I'm sure – He's he's been better than that, and the other kid did pretty good. McCord did pretty good, you know. Uh, scary when Marvin Marvison Marvison Marvin Harrison Jr. went down. That was scary. Uh, but you know, just one of those tough nose, hard Big Ten type of football games, man. Like that's simply what that was. No other way to put it. Like crazy ending. Uh. But yeah, nothing remarkable. I don't. I, I it was cool. I don't really, you know, ain't really been following college football like that. So, you know, that's why the Colorado story is so crazy. Because I think you got a lot of people that haven't been watching college football, watching college football again, simply off the buzz and virality of just being around <laughs> all that. Like so, pretty wild, man. Saturday was cool. Didn't watch a lot of stuff, but watch those two. You know, college football is doing good right now. I think college football is in a real healthy space next year, hopefully, with all the deals and stuff. That once these conferences get aligned and we start seeing what's going on and the playoffs get rolling, that we can really, really get to see 
just what is going on, like uh, how this is going to work now and how money and these condensed conferences is going to really change college football. But it's going to be fun to see. I think it's going to be fun to watch. Now, let's get to what you all came for, right? Woo! It is Sunday before the Sunday night football game. And I just watched about six hours of football straight. And let me tell you, this week was, it was a good week. I think this was a good week. It, it A lot of crazy games. Where should I start? Let's just start uh, with the Cowboys. What do you want me to say, man? I, I should have known. The, the universe <laughs> knows. There is no reason to have me essentially cheering for the Cowboys last week like I did, man. Ah, gosh. Did all that hyping them up, and look what happened. Now, I ain't even going to lie. I'm not going to sit here and lie to you. Cowboys fans are the worst, right? I'm sorry. Anybody watching as a Cowboys fan, you guys are the worst. The fan base is the worst. Uh, every year is your year. And I said I brought this all this up in the early episodes. It's time. But now with Trey Lance, I think it's time. Like, I think the Cowboys are in a space where I, it it's time to stop. We can't debate whether Dak is good anymore. I don't think that's the issue, really. I think Dak is Dak better than Daniel Jones has been. Sure. But to just simply put it on a lack of talent from Dak or just a lack of having it, the it factor thing, and it just seems to be missing from Dak, I think we're done with that. We're at the point where it, even if Dak can be good again, I think it's not going to be for the Dallas Cowboys. It can't be. Mentally, the energy exerted from media, fans, teammates, I'm sure, uh, because of the such lackluster play of Dak Prescott has got to be wearing on this team year in and year out. You have a good offense. You got good pieces. You've got a great defense that goes out there and gets stops and does all this. And now you got Michael Parsons for the past couple of years and the Cowboys every year is your guys' year for seven years. And guess what? You lose to the, Oh, and two Cardinals that just lost to the commanders and the giants. That's not good. Not a good sign as a Cowboys fan that a team that just beat two or that just lost to two of your in division rivals fall or you fall to them. It's, it's who not a good sign. Uh, the Cowboys, and and I say all this because if you watch the game, you, you've seen the way it ended. Dak throws a pick in the end zone with about, I think, maybe four minutes or so left. And it's, it's tough. It's tough to see it over and over again. And I, I feel like I have a I, – Cowboys fans need to know this. It's time to move on from Dak. Take a page out of what the Chiefs did and really work with Trey Lance. Look what Jordan Love is doing. I'll get to Jordan Love in a little bit, but look what's going on with Jordan Love, right? Just take Trey Lance, give him as many reps as you possibly can. I understand this is still a good year. This is one loss, and you can rebound from one early loss to a bad team that you didn't take seriously, okay? You can do that. That's not – right now, We the reason you guys lost this game, the reason the Cowboys lost this game is because of Dak Prescott. And this is exactly what everybody slash Cowboys fan, fans or whatever, this is what you guys were worried about. Okay, let's look at this. 25-40-250, one touchdown, one interception. Tony Pollard, 122 yards. Cool. It look it looking here. It looks like everything's hitting right. But when you watch the game, you see Dak Dak playing and scared. It's the Cardinals, and Dak is still out there playing scared. 
because you've been you were down the whole game. I don't I don't think they led the entire game. No, they didn't lead the entire game. They scored one touchdown. It's time. Dak, ain't it? And the mental scarring, just the scar tissue from being the Cowboys quarterback, I think is the main reason that it's time to move on from Dak. I think if I don't care if the Cowboys go and win the Super Bowl, if maybe if they win the Super Bowl, it'll be fine. But anything less than winning the Super Bowl. And I think you have to do something else besides Dak because I don't think anybody else can take another year of dealing with this. Not them fans for sure, because they have to deal with him not being good. But us as the public and the media having to deal with the constant droning of the Cowboys chances to win a Super Bowl just for Dak to choke it off every single time. It's just like it's built into his brain now that they can't succeed. (laughs) like this is all we're gonna people are gonna talk about for a week is the cowboys the cowboys the cowboys and i think rightfully so now especially for all the people this past week that have been talking about how what's what's going on like the pressure's on deck and look what happens when the pressure's on deck he can't handle it and that's been shown time and time and time and time again that deck simply cannot handle the pressure of being the Dallas Cowboys quarterback and who can it's going to take a very rare special type of person to (laughs) take on all that entails being the Cowboys quarterback and I think Dak has just got beaten down and beaten down over the years and it's over with so that's my thought on the Cowboys game they it just at the most inopportune moments, just giving up plays on defense. You could tell the defense is hurt by Diggs not being there. It's not like they just threw the ball around like crazy. They still ran the ball a lot. It's just the Cowboys just inopportune to, at the worst moment. What does Stephen A. say? At the worst moment possible. Well, he, it really it should be like this. For the Cowboys, at the best possible moment they will do the worst thing every time and that's just what the cowboys do that's what they've done doesn't matter how good they of a season they've had or how bad of a season or mediocre it's the same thing every time at the best time they'll do the worst thing and a lot of that is on Dak. sorry Dak. sorry Dak fans but oh, does he have skill yes he has skill but he ain't got it, okay? <laughs> he don't got it. You want, you want to talk about somebody that has it? You want to talk about some guys that have it? Let's talk about the guys that hung 70. Yes, you hear me correctly. 70 points in an NFL game. The Miami Dolphins put up 70 points running the ball. <laughs> The crazy thing is that at some point they took their foot off the pedal and ran the ball and still scored like 20 points in the fourth quarter. They just were like, all right, we're just going to run the ball now. Okay, so this backup that we have, A-Chan, yeah, he's just going to take it for 200 yards. He's just going to just have a casual 18-carry 200-yard game. That's what it is. They threw the ball 28 times, right? And ran it 43 times and scored 70. They scored 70 points running the ball. Ah, man. I spent a lot of time talking about red zone percentage. I wonder what, what it is in this game. Because watching it, I stopped watching this at halftime because it was, what, 35-14 or something like the four, Oh, 35-13 at the half. Yikes. Now, okay, let's do this, though. The Dolphins hung 70 points and lost their minds and scored 70 points running the ball. But there were a couple holes you could see, and I don't want to nitpick, but I'm going to nitpick because you're considered one of the best teams in the league right now. The Broncos 
moved the ball somewhat well. Now, I have to preface that <laughs> because they got a lot of chances with the ball after a team puts up 70 points and scores on virtually every drive that they have. Did they score every drive that they got the ball? Oh, hold on. I have, let me see. Okay. Touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. Turnover on downs, touchdown, touchdown. End of the half, touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. Punt, touchdown, touchdown. Oh, my goodness. One, two, three. <laughs> three drives where they didn't score the ball. Yeah, so the Broncos got a lot of opportunities at the ball. And the stats, that's why I was going to say they did move the ball. They essentially just did not convert on third down. I think it was it was, a, it was something three and 12 on third downs, not going to get it done. And that's why you got 70 hung on your head. Woo, Sean Payton, uh, you might want to let those guys wear some bucket hats. And uh, you might want to let let the Broncos get their crew or uh, Russell get team three back in the locker room or something. Cause getting 70 hung on you is like bananas. That's a different level of getting whooped, you know, but, uh, whew. they did move the ball a little bit passing the dolphins. There was moments where it was like the secondary just couldn't, couldn't do what they needed to do. And, but still not a lot to talk about this game. It was, it was crazy. Let's just look. What did Tyreek have? Uh, Tyreek ended up with 157 and a touchdown and had that opening touchdown that I think kind of broke the game and just that was the end. Once he caught that big bomb, it was over. Yeah. Tua putting up MVP numbers, man. Hey, putting up real MVP numbers. I'm, I pray, please, for Tua not to get hurt because I don't want to de- I want this I want to get the best games possible. I'm a Chiefs fan first, sure. But I want the best games possible to happen. I want to play Dolphins full strength, Chiefs full strength, week eight or whatever it is in Germany. I need that. I need that. I need Tua Mahomes. I need like the full thing to us. So just slide, go down, throw the ball away, do whatever you gotta do. Stay healthy, please, cause Right now, what y'all doing is crazy. So let's move on to the guy on the other side of that matchup I just talked about. Chiefs and Mahomes. You should have took the minus 12. <laughs> if you're a betting man, you should have took that minus 12 because, oh, man, it was a blowout. I think it ended up being 10 to 41. Bad, bad whooping. Uh, It was just... Simple Chiefs. It's a lot of those games today of just one team outclass the other team. Period. End of story. That was the game. One team was purely better than the other team. Mahomes killed them. The only reason they scored a touchdown is because Blaine Gabbert came in and, and scared every Chiefs fan and hurt their heart, praying and wishing that uh Excuse me, praying and wishing that Chad Henney would come back immediately. <laughs> we need hey, bring Shane Bouchelle back up, man. <laughs> Cause Blaine Gabbard is not it, okay? That can't be the backup. One of the main takeaways of this game, a lot of people are gonna say is, ooh, Pat's ankle again. Pat in maybe the third quarter or so got rolled up on tweaked his ankle he comes towards the sideline limping we go to I think it was might have been at halftime or whatever and he comes back and he plays and he looks fine he doesn't he doesn't move very much after that not a lot of movement from Pat and I think that's when they just are like hey we're up 30 plus this is the end of your day and here comes Blaine Gabbert just throwing picks like crazy right but overall Chiefs uh I think at some point we're going to have to talk about the penalties with the offensive line because there was moment there was a moment where they had to sit Juwan Taylor, and I think the only reason he really got back in the game was because of injuries because Donovan Smith got hurt, so Prince Tiguanogo had to move to left tackle, and Juwan had to come back in. There was no more penalties from what I 
watching it. Like I did have the sound off and I was kind of, you know, flipping, flipping around, watching the Cowboys get stomped in. <laughs> so I didn't see a lot, a lot of the, the very end of the game. So, but no more penalties. The line is, is, uh, I think we're back to that where the line is going to be scary here and there. Just be just from the penalty standpoint, this is going to come around full circle. I just hope it's not in the playoffs, you know, we're in the Super Bowl or costs us some type of Super Bowl or whatever. We've already been through that. The offsides from D Ford. I can't no. but this is going to come back around eventually. And they're going to call this on Juwan Taylor in a mo in a moment somewhere down the line. They're just building up to it now. So I wouldn't be surprised if in some of these big games they just take Jawan Taylor out just to just to get the eyeballs off of him getting off early. So yeah, it's wor it's a little worrisome. I think that's the only thing to be worried about here. The secondary was destroyed destroyed the Bears up front, destroyed them. Could have could have had a little more pressure from the defensive line, I guess, but that's just real nitpicking, you know. And I I I I just nitpicked the Dolphins, but that's I've that's my takeaways here is you know the the defensive line and Chris Jones and them boys they didn't have to really do a lot to get to Herbert, but you know they it could have been better they could have got to him quicker on some of those passes he held the ball for a long time. Yeah, offensive line get it together with the penalties, please just lay off Jawan Taylor just a little bit, you know. Let the man breathe. Jeez, every tackle does it. If we're doing this year, it's going to be a lot of false start calls this year, and it's it's going to be frustrating. But, um, yeah, good dub from the Chiefs and them guys. Oh, Taylor Swift was at the game. Taylor Swift at the Chiefs game. Got to see Travis Kelsey catch a touchdown. Sitting in the in the up there in the suite with Mama Kelsey. Yeah, that's going to get talked about a lot. <laughs> Travis Kelsey got Taylor Swift up to the Chiefs game. Man, crazy. And we showed out. We showed out in our Taylor Swift game. So that's good to see, you know. Hopefully that means good things. You know, Taylor's been tearing it up this year. So I hope that little juju rubs off a little bit on the Chiefs. And, you know, we can go on our own little world tour. Uh, let's see. Let's see here. What do we, ooh, hold on. Uh, a lot of crazy games, man. A lot of crazy games. Let's go here. The Jacksonville Jaguars. I think right now we need to take a look at Jacksonville because this is not, this is the, now, the Jaguars got it together late at the end of the year last year, I think after going one and seven. So we would assume that you would continue to carry that momentum forward into the next season, into this season, and build off of that and not start over. But to, what it looks like is the Jaguars have just regressed back to the beginning of the year last year. Uh, I think the real big problem for the Jaguars right now when I watch that game is the offensive line for the Jaguars is just bad, right? Uh, Trevor Lawrence is a good quarterback. I believe Trevor Lawrence is a good quarterback, but you can't be a good quarterback with a t with a battle line. He just ha didn't have time. They... Once they were down early, they were down 17 to 0 going into halftime and once they got there, they came out of the of the break and looked good there for a second. For the next couple drives, they just go score, 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 score. But it was too late. I think and the way they came out in the second half was really a lot of um short screen plays to their playmakers and their playmakers are really good players and they took those plays and and made it work but they made it work in spite of the o-line just not giving trevor lawrence any time at all and so when it was third and long or second and long and they go to throw the ball it just wasn't going anywhere 
they started the game off one for five on third downs, and that's how Houston just went out there and took the game over. I think, uh, you know, ETN is good. Trevor Lawrence is good. Like, um, Evan Ingram is good. <laughs> Calvin Ridley is really good. Like, they have these great guys. They have great playmakers. And I've seen this story before. Uh, the offensive line being that big of a problem where I, you, you, I can't run a seven-step drop. I can't run anything long because Trevor Lawrence is just going to get eaten up. We've seen it in the Chiefs game, the Colts game, now here with the Texans. And it's not good. It's not good that they just can't pass rush. They did pretty well running the ball, but it doesn't matter when you're down three scores if you can run the ball. You need to be able to generate some big plays, and Trevor Lawrence has the tools to do that, but he doesn't have the tools to do that if three guys are tackling him and he's crunched up into a little ball or if the pocket collapsing on him over and over and over again is it, it took its toll here and the Texans come out and look awesome and you know who looks really awesome CJ Stroud let's talk about it here CJ Stroud is easily the best rookie quarterback and it's kind of crazy to look at that because I never would have guessed CJ Stroud would just come out and be the most NFL ready he looks calm and steady in the pocket and for all the people that were that were questioning his intelligence it's pretty hilarious to see him just kind of casually eat up a jacksonville defense that that has seen uh herbert and stopped him that that put clamps on uh the chiefs and stuff and just see cj stroud just eat them alive right uh just time and time because they didn't run the ball very well and it was just C.J. Stroud on third downs just throwing seeds, just throwing darts out there and just like, man, that guy, that kid's good. And I think a lot of people do this when they see a black quarterback, you just assume that he can run. And C.J. Stroud can run, so you would be right. But the, the difference here is he doesn't really run. It's kind of like what I talked about with Geno and Shador last week is he's a pocket passer. And I think his brain operates from a place of being a pure pocket passer. Now, you can see him in game. He's going through his reads. He's making the check downs when he's pressured. Like, he's making a lot of these, like, higher level smart decisions with the football. So, I think the Wonderlick test, that's cool and all, but is this guy a football player? And I think that's what you have here with C.J. Stroud is I, I don't care if the man can uh, do calculus. Like, I don't care if he can memorize, like, certain things at a certain capacity within, you know, some type of hour test that you're giving him. I, I care about can you really, can you go execute this offense, right? If I give you time to do this, can you do this at a high level? That's what this whole thing is about. And C.J. Stroud has proven three weeks, yeah, he's got it, you know? He's got it. Like, the same way Dak don't have it, he has it. And I look at it now, and the Colts game was a cool, like, that was, wasn't was a total blowout. Like, it looked, the Baltimore game, there was flashes there, and they just couldn't finish. And in this game, they finished. It's like they went over. It's like red zone is where we're going to eat today. And they had the kick return. That kick return is really when the game was over. That, I rem now I remember. The kick return is when the game ended. And that's what I need to know. Oh, yeah, er, they blocked the field goal early. It's just a lot of these things like, yeah, Trevor Lawrence is awesome, but Trevor Lawrence can't play special teams. Trevor Lawrence can't play uh, guard, right guard and tackle, like left tackle. He can't, you know what I mean? He, the, the Jacksonville Jaguars are at that stage uh, with their franchise quarterback where the guy can't carry the entire team like that, you know? And you've got pieces at the skill positions. But it's just this little random stuff, right? Like, you know, the kick, the field goal, the touchdown return, like things like that where it's just you can't let this stuff happen, you know? Oh, let's need it.
you can't let it happen, man. The long bomb to Tank Dell was crazy. Like, they were, yeah. The Texans look awesome. They're not good. I think that's the thing here is that maybe we're finding out that the Jags aren't good either. Now this AFC South division, who knows what could happen. Like, could the Texans win the AFC South the way C.J. Stroud looks? And if he continues to progress this year, I think we might have to come back and look at that in a couple weeks. And, yeah, maybe the Texans can win the AFC South. Now, let's go to another young quarterback that could win their division. Uh, it's Jordan Love and the Packers. I've, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm there with it now. I've hitched my wagon <laughs> to Jordan Love. When I watch this guy, I think Jordan Love is a great not great. Let's hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me start here. Okay, before I start going crazy. Jordan Love is a really good, solid, mid-level quarterback, right? He is the discount version of a, of Pat Mahomes, of Aaron Rodgers, of uh, Josh Allen, right? These guys that can move and make plays. I think the lower level of that is Daniel Jones. I think he's in between somewhere there of this new style of quarterback. I think he this is the like competent level like right now how Jared Goff is the competent level off of like a pocket passer just stand in there and read defenses and make quick reads. I think Jordan Love is just like the standard version of this new style of quarterback that we have in the NFL where you move around the pocket, crazy arm strength allows you to make a lot of big plays and stuff. And I think Jordan Love has that. Does he, is he sitting there? I mean, he threw for 50%, right? He threw 22 of 44, but the plays he made on third down uh, with the pocket collapsing, uh, getting outside and avoiding uh, pressure and just making timely throws and decisions and just getting it, the, the, the game managing side of him is, I think, the thing to lay your hat on, where he can just come in and manage a game and not lose you the game. I think that's kind of what he did here was they didn't score early, but they didn't just not. They went on longer-ish drives. And, oh, now that I look at it, yeah, Jordan Love was a leading rusher. I didn't realize that. But yeah, he just went out there and just kept making plays. And I like that. I like that he moves and he can throw on the move and he has the quick quick flick throw that looks like Rodgers a little bit and he he moves. He's not he's just it's just the same thing. Like this is the new style of quarterback. Like I'm I'm moving, I'm not running. I'm this isn't Vic. I'm not looking to take off. Not Lamar. I'm not looking to take off and and just go 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 go. I'm looking to move and make space get guys open get guys time to figure out who to get open it's this new point guard style of quarterback where these guys just i'm gonna move and i'm gonna look and i'm try to get a guy open i might throw it across my body might do something that's in the textbook not a great play but the way the game is played on the edges today with the quarterbacks outside of somebody like tua uh I think that's the way we're going, and I think Jordan Love fits this. This is a solid 10-year starter that's very competent, above competent, can make you plays, can win you games, and that's what he did here. He, you know, he had the pick. Every Yeah, you throw picks, right? <laughs> like, this is a younger a quarterback on the younger side, and, you know, Josh Allen just threw four. 70 picks in a game and we still hold Josh Allen to to this high accord and I think that's where I think Jordan Love is still in his early phase but I think he can really get together I think this team has the pieces to be a good playoff team I think they can make it to the playoffs this year in the NFC North I think uh, right now they're even with the Lions 2-1 and one, and I wonder when they play, because that's going to be a good game, because that's really going to determine what goes on with the Packers. But I think they just go out there and they play tough, good football, 
And I like that Jordan Love has talent. <laughs> he's got the arm talent. He's got the size. He's got, he can move. He's making relatively good decisions, you know, not compared to the great quarterbacks right now, but compared to the base level quarterback, he's above base level quarterbacking right now. I would say if I had to take Jordan Love or Brock Purdy, I'm taking Jordan Love. If I put Jordan Love on the 49ers right now, he would probably be an MVP candidate. And I'll say that. I think the things that I've seen Jordan Love do with a football in his in his hands compared to Brock Purdy is different levels. It's a different level like level. <laughs> it's a different talent level from Jordan Love to uh Brock Purdy and it shows to me when you see not the, and it's not stylish. It's when he rolls out and he's moving it don't look good. It don't. It's not highlight stuff. You know what I mean? It's just efficient stuff that gets everything done. I think he learned a lot of his scrambling stuff from watching Rodgers. The way he moves out of the pocket. The way he holds the football when he moves out the pocket. It's just very reminiscent of like he has just studied all the good things about Aaron Rodgers and really has taken a hold of it. And I think he's going to be in this, this batch of these new quarterbacks that play a certain way, this new point guard football, like this basketball football, this point guard quarterback thing that's going on where guys are just moving and we're, we're moving and we're making plays for guys. Like, and I think Jordan love has all the tools to be good at that style of play. And I'm, I'm, I'm ready to see it in the future. I'm ready to argue with people (laughs) about Jordan love being a good quarterback. Ah, speaking of good quarterbacks, man. <sighs> okay, so the Chargers lose. I'm fine with that because they're in the AFC West. <laughs> so go ahead, just lose every game. But they pull it out here, right? And Justin Herbert, it's like the same thing over and over with the Chargers. Justin Herbert in the fourth quarter just loses his mind and goes crazy and just wills his team down the field time and time again. And he does this over and over and over again. But the problem is it doesn't matter because the defense is not that good. And they just let the Vikings storm right down the field if it wasn't for the guy on the other side of the ball Kirk Cousins Kirk Cousins was slinging the damn ball he was slinging the ball all day and then Justin Jefferson got hurt and when Justin Jefferson got hurt it was right towards the end of the game if I remember correctly and then on the last play with maybe a minute left. Oh, no, with 12 seconds left. That's right. They get down the field with no timeouts. And instead of clocking the ball and spiking it at around 30 seconds, they try to get a play in. And Kirk Cousins throws an interception into the end zone with 12 seconds left. If you Now, my whole point is to bring this up. If you trust the Chargers... It's going to be tough to watch a lot of these games because, of course, you're in a good position because Justin Herbert essentially can do anything any quarterback could do on a football field. Can, could he run it 30 yards if he needed to? Yes. Can he throw it 70 a 70-yard 70 bomb? Yes. Can he play the check down game? Yes. Can he play the quarterback, the point guard quarterback style? That's what he does, and he's elite at that. But it doesn't matter if the defense coughs up leads uh, on two-minute drills, just lets teams just run the ball, not run the ball down their throat, but literally just put the ball wherever they want. Kirk Cousins just spun it and put the ball wherever he felt like it. And I think if Justin Jefferson was in the game in the game with that last play, that we looking at a different game. So I think they would have won this game and 
So it, I think this game is a lot more. You should, you shouldn't feel good. This is one of those games where Chargers fans probably shouldn't feel good about the win because they almost chargered the game again. The fact that I've heard, I thought I was the only one saying it for a while, but this is a thing now where people have been saying uh, the Chargers chargering. The Chargers almost chargered the game in the most chargery way possible. <laughs> but good old Kirk Cousins had to come and save them and save their fans from having to talk about Brandon Staley getting fired because he choked it and didn't get the ball clock, didn't clock the ball or whatever, and just went up and threw a pick into the end zone and saved the Chargers' day. But that defense, that defense was about to give up another touchdown in a two-minute drill. And we still need to talk about Brandon Staley. <laughs> Even I don't care that they won the game. We need to talk about that. It almost happened again, that the Chargers almost chargered again. So all the Chargers fans need to get down on their knees and thank Kirk Cousins for doing for throwing a pick, man, because that's really what saved them here. <sighs> Let's talk about another team that choked, man. The Ravens. Ah, maybe Daniel was right. You know, I know I was right about a couple things. <laughs> last week <laughs> on Friday's episode or Thursday's episode excuse me I know, I know I was right about a couple things and I think he was right about a couple things too they have the Ravens um yeah they they choked so I need to I need to go to go to something here because I was looking at it earlier and I think it just explains the game right I so my opinion is always going to come from watching the game first. Am I a stats guy? Yes, I like the stats because I feel like the stats and analytics can sometimes back up what you see or kind of show you what you're seeing or what you're not seeing. And this isn't even stat a stat thing more than Baltimore just started off really bad, right? So... You look out, you look at this, they come out, they score a touchdown in the first quarter. 12 play, 80-yard drive. Great way to start the game. Great way to start the game. 7-0. But then you fumble and you stop them from scoring. And then you go three and out and you get one yard. And then you fumble and then you punt. So I just want you so after the touchdown, which is six minutes, well, nine minutes into the first quarter. The Ravens' following drives are fumble, punt, fumble, punt, 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 touchdown, field goal, punt, punt, missed field goal, punt, fourth downs, game over. So, for as much as we expected the Ravens' offense to be explosive, and I don't know if it, it can't, like, Odell is basically guaranteed to get hurt every year. So you don't have the excuse of saying that we didn't have Odell because there's no reason for that, right? <laughs> there's no reason that Odell should carry this whole offense. And I know they're missing linemen. They're missing a lot of guys, but Garter, Garter, Gardner, Minshew, and the Colts, and Zach Moss, not even Jonathan Taylor, Zach Moss and Garter Minshew, dominate the game with Michael Pittman makes that crazy catch and you just get to a point where we really I think questioning whether or not Lamar Jackson can throw the ball would be stupid here right uh they changed play calling so we can't really do that anymore they ran for 186 yards but the problem again, and I just talked about this in another game. Um, you can if you ran the ball thirty-seven times, you threw it thirty-one times. But the problem with that is you were down the entire game, and that's what happened here is just couldn't generate offense. And at the end of the game, somehow just the Colts got the big play they needed, or this game would have would have damn near end up tied. 
it's just they can't they just can't get away from running the ball. I understand it's their strength, but you gotta rip it, man. Like you you gotta rip it. I thought we were getting to a point where they were gonna start like really airing it out, throwing the ball. Justin Herbert threw the ball fifty times. Like he had I think he had four hundred yards like a close game like this, like it's just crazy to see that they, they just stick to running the ball. And I mean, like, look at this, man. Three three plays, one yard. Three plays, negative six yards. Six plays, 18 yards. Three plays, four yards. There's just so many downs where they just run the ball and can't convert on third down. And... At some point, we're going to have to look at Lamar and ask, like, were they right in the first place? Lamar Jackson hasn't been the same Lamar Jackson since 2018. It's been five years now or six years now almost. I just wonder when we have to have the conversation of maybe Lamar is on a lesser tier down than some of the other guys, you know, like if if what Jalen Hurts this past two weeks or whatever or three weeks, if he played like this for the next five years, will we hold him in a, such a high regard as we do now? I don't think so. And I think that's what what's happening right now with Lamar. I just wonder if it's time to start questioning whether or not Lamar Jackson can get it done throwing the ball. Yeah, you ran for 100 yards. Like You had a great fantasy game, but that means nothing. When you can't win games, you know, and I they I know they won. They beat the Texans and Texans beat the Jaguars. You can do some paper rock scissors there, but there's no reason they lost to the Colts. They kept trying to run the ball, and that's what doesn't make any sense. Like, let's go look at the last couple plays. Like, let's go look at the overtime plays. Okay, they ran the ball. This is the first, so they get a stop on the Colts. This is overtime. You have to score to win. This is overtime. You have to score to win. They make they force a three and out from the Colts, and they. And this is what I've been saying. They run the ball. They run the ball. Incomplete punt. So this is what I mean. Time and time again, they keep running the ball, and I I think um, Tony Romo made a good point during the Jets game where he said uh, sometimes for nowadays you kind of have to pass the ball on first down just so you can get an easy completion that you're not fighting against negative yards already and you're not pressured to go out and do anything crazy but just get yards get positive yardage and gain and on the downs and uh I think that, that that's the problem with the Ravens is just I don't think they still don't trust Lamar to really throw the ball a lot. And you get behind on downs, you get behind the sticks, and you get this. Because let's go look at their next their next possession, right? And this is what happens. Incomplete, seven-yard completion, incomplete, timeout, incomplete, downs, that's a game. I mean, this is what I mean is that it's, when it was humming early, that's cool. That's where you put all your stats up. And then you run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. You run the air out of the ball back to the Colts to the point where they come down and tie it. After a safety, you give up a safety, and then you let them come down and kick a field goal. Was Granted, the kicker was out of his mind and kicked four 50-yard field goals to keep him in this game. But still, you let them in these crucial moments get in position to kick those field goals because you get behind on the on the downs and Lamar can't throw third and medium third and long and that's game so it's time I think eventually we're going to have to really look at this and wonder when is it time to start questioning Lamar next year if he plays average next year the year after that or does he just get moratorium on essentially not being questioned for not failing, but failing to kind of live up to being Lamar Jackson. Only time could tell, right? So, uh, let me see. 
What else do I got? Uh, let's see. Mike Williams got hurt again. That was crazy. Yeah. Oh, Deshaun Watson. I think all the talk about Deshaun Watson just being super horrible is kind of hyperbole. I think he's just he went from being very good to now he's just average. And uh, yeah. Good week, man. Great week of football. Let's go look at the rest of some of these games, and I'll go over them really quickly. Right now, the Steelers-Raiders game is on, and I'm going to go watch here in a minute. But, yeah, Buffalo route the Commanders. Cleveland and their defense is legitimate, man. They just shut down (laughs) Tennessee, and it was bad. It was bad the whole game. Didn't watch a lot of that. The Patriots, the Jets, oh, I think a lot of Jets fans are going to run straight to let's we have to do something at quarterback. And I think probably you do have to do something at quarterback. But there was that that last couple drives, there were some flashes that Zach Wilson, if he continued to do that, eventually could could show signs of being competent eventually. But I don't know if Jets fans are okay with competent eventually when you had Aaron Rodgers in-house, ready to go. That's a tough pill to swallow, but that's where they're at, you know. Um, Detroit over Atlanta, disappointed. Oh, I think, let me see if I wrote any notes, man. I uh, I think the Falcons are a team that are, excuse me, I think the Falcons are a team that are prime for tanking. Um, all they need is a quarterback. The line, offensive line looks solid. The defense looks solid. The offensive pieces are great. Not just solid, but great. I mean, Bijan, Algier, Kyle Pitch, Jonu Smith, Drake London. Like, you, you got guys. You could draft another guy to come in and fit in here and... But they they lose. Desmond Ritter doesn't look great. He looks okay. Doesn't really wow you or make a lot of plays. And you know they just they lose to the Lions, who look good, who just had a solid game, a couple mistakes here and there. But they're just a good solid game. I think Falcons should think about tanking now. Don't think about trying to win just because you're two and one. Just tank and go get a real quarterback. Just that, that would be the best scenario, I think, for them. I think worst-case scenario is they win a lot of games. They go 500 and somehow, like, sneak into the playoffs, and now you're kind of, like, stuck with Desmond Ritter. <clears throat> Just in that relationship, call it a day. Because, yeah, it, that's the main hiccup there. But, yeah, Seattle, Carolina, I don't even know how that happened. I literally was watching this game as I started, lost track, and then all of a sudden I look up and they're up 10. (laughs) There was only a couple minutes left in the fourth quarter when I started setting all my stuff up, and I look over and all of a sudden it's 37. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. What happened? And let's go look through some of these plays at the end to see what happened. So... Let me see. Yeah, they scored in the red zone. They, Jeez. Yeah, 10-yard, 12-yard. Getting the end zone on 27 yards, so short field. Oh, they turned it over on downs, and they scored. And then they come, and then Carolina came back and marched down the field, got a good call. Hit that bomb to Thielen. Okay, I did see that, actually. I remember that. That play to Thielen was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yep, and then they just, they just couldn't do nothing. Couldn't do nothing. Damn. Yeah, shout out Carolina, man. Maybe there's some Ewing, Ewing Theory stuff. Shout out Bill Simmons. Maybe there's some Ewing Theory things here with Bryce Young. I tried to say tell y'all in one of the, I think maybe the first episode, I don't believe in small quarterbacks. I don't think it can work like I'm 5'8", so I know what being around a bunch of 6'5", 
guys looks like. <laughs> it's not it's not great when you got a bunch of guys that are six two and up chasing you around and you don't have a good offensive line and you don't really have good pieces. But to argue that Andy Dalton went that out there and made the Carolina weapons look competent, so maybe it's a Bryce Young thing. I think I think it's a Bryce Young thing. I think they made a mistake. CJ Stroud looks amazing. Yeah. But maybe just if he maybe if he went to Carolina, he would look bad and Bryce Young would be looking good now with Houston. You never know. It could just be one of those things where, you know, wrong place, wrong time, and this is what you get. You got a small guy who's who's limited in what you can really kind of do with him and trust him to do because how small he is and the the likelihood of getting hurt and all that stuff. And yeah. Carolina's in a bad spot. I mean, you can't draft another quarterback. (laughs) So, I would hate to see Marvin Harrison Jr. go to the Panthers and have to play with with Bryce Young because I don't think Bryce Young can get it done. I mean, it should should go to show here. The the Panthers put up almost 30 points with Andy Dalton, and he, he goes crazy for, what, almost 400 yards? Yeah, 362 touchdowns. He played crazy. He played great. Adam Thielen, yeah, <laughs> went nuts. But yeah, I think yeah, I think that them scoring thirty like that on a solid Seahawks team should probably show a lot of people that maybe Bryce Young just ain't it. They made a mistake. That's what happens, man. That's what happens. But it was a good week. Good week, man. What is that? I'm at an hour. That's cool. It was a good week of football, man. Fun to do another episode. Uh. Still no outro. I'll see you guys Thursday. Peace.